It is time for the Employment Hour, our flagship show. After all these years, still bringing them in on a Wednesday. And by that, I mean your phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You want to uh, slide an email over? We'd love to get to those a little later on as well. That is simply help at employmenthour.com. So lots to get through. We're going to get into a couple topics tonight, including your emails and uh, this stuff you're going to want to listen to. It's going to cost an employer if they do this. We'll uh, machete our way through that list. But first, uh, brother, we always get to the uh, the week that was. What is happening on your side? Johnny, uh, barely made it here, actually, uh, because I, I was just on the phone with someone. I've been on the phone with a lot of people all day, all week, mm-hmm. uh, talking about a lot of workplace issues and trying to give some comfort and advice about uh, workplace problems. So if you're in that situation as well, where you have a question, you have a concern, you have an issue or a problem, don't fret. You can call us on this show right now. For the next 40 minutes or so, we're going to be answering those questions, so don't be bashful. Let's let's talk about it. There's only solutions. There's no problems that cannot be solved. And That's by right. calling us on the show right now, you'll be helping others that are listening who may well be facing the exact same problem. So please, please bring it on. Of course, though, if you don't want to call on the show, you just want to talk to me privately like so many people do, perfect, not a problem, not an issue. My contact information, phone and email, will give it throughout the show so that you can reach out. Uh, and this is the employment uh, show. This is the employment law, employment hour, employment time to talk about everything and anything to do with workplace. And the week that was where I started with a couple situations that came across my desk just over a few days ago. I spoke with a lady uh, who uh, found herself in an interesting situation, difficult situation. She received a call midway through her uh, workday from a family member saying that her aunt uh, was in the hospital, were not doing well, and, and they didn't know if she was going to make it. Uh, and she, she was distraught and immediately went to her employer, her, her boss, and said, I, I need to leave. I need to go to the hospital and, and uh, check up and visit my aunt. Uh, her boss said, I'm sorry, I really can't let you go right now. It's very busy. We need you kind of on the front line, so please uh, stay and, and leave after work. She went back to her station, uh, continued working, but after a little while, couldn't do it anymore, was so stressed out, decided, no, i got to go see my aunt, and, and left, took off. Uh, went to see her aunt, came back the next morning, was handed the letter of termination saying, this was insubordination, yeah. we told you not to leave, mm-hmm. you did, uh, we're letting you go for cause, no compensation, off you go. She called me in tears, very upset, wanting to know if that was right and that was legal. So here's the thing, John. Let's let's take it for granted that if she was told not to go, she should not have gone. Okay. Right. Despite the fact that this is obviously a very serious matter with her aunt, I get that. She should not have gone. But that's not the question. The question is not whether she did something wrong. The question is whether this one incident, this one incident is bad enough to be caused it's bad enough to give the company the reason to let her go. The answer mm-hmm. to that is absolutely not. Even though she may have done something she wasn't supposed to do, that is not cause. That's not even close. It's one incident. And right. she, it's a very sympathetic situation. No way is that cause. It's very, very difficult to establish cause. It's reserved for the worst offenders. Now, if she had done it five times and they kept warning her, yeah, maybe then. But no, it's not cause. And I wanted our listeners to remember... Even if you did something wrong, even if you did something you weren't supposed to do, good reason or not good reason, it doesn't mean that the company can let you go without compensation. And for her, John, she's owed about six months severance. She was there before four and a half years. She's owed six months severance. I'm going to help her get that. That, John, was a wrongful dismissal. You bet. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. I see you there, Dave. Just hang on. We'll get to one more, uh, one more matter here, and we'll uh, get to the phones right away. What else uh, is happening today? 
I uh, I spoke with a person who was uh, in sales, and he had a very uh, kind of modest base salary, $30,000, but with his commissions, uh, he made over $100,000 a year. Nice. He was, uh, yeah, not, not bad. He was recently let go, uh, restructuring at the company, been there for three years, and the company had offered him six weeks pay, but just of base salary. And he called me and he wanted to know, is that right? Well, no, that wasn't even close. First of all, after three years, he was owed a lot more than six weeks. In fact, he was owed about six months' pay. But he was owed six months' pay based on his total compensation, the $100,000, not just on this base salary. And I wanted to bring this up here for this person. The delta was over $40,000 to remind employees and employers that when it comes to severance, all components of compensation have to be included. Salary, bonus, commission, benefits, car allowance, pension, etc. All have to be included. And in this case, the company wrongfully dismissed them because they did not include his commission, which formed 70% of his salary. That's a uh, that's a big chunk, and they probably won't be making that mistake again, I would imagine, or hope not, especially if they listen to uh, to this show. As promised, want to move over to uh, to Dave. Dave, thanks for hanging on there for a couple of minutes. How are you, pal? Yeah, cheers. Good, man. How you doing? Good, sir. What's, uh, what's going on with you? Uh, so... Uh, a couple of questions, if I could, but the first one, I think this might play for a lot of people. So I, um, I work for a company. I've been there just about three years now, and my contract um, does it, it, it on purpose does not have a start time or end time to my day. Okay, um, that's left up to me to to get the work done, etc. So my my first question is. Are they able to go back and change that now? Are they able to make that a, a uh, some sort of um, a parameter in my in in my contract? Great question. Excellent question. What they're not allowed to do, Dave, is they're not allowed to change what your terms are. So, if you usually come in at ten and you leave at six, as an example, they can't come in and say, "Well, now you have to work uh, eight to four because that's a big change. If all they're trying to do, though, is to put in writing what's already happening, they're not really changing it, then they can do it. So if you always work 10 to 6, but hypothetically you could work other times, but you don't really do it, and they're saying from now on we always need you to be here 10 to 6, it's probably not a big deal because you're doing it anyway. But if they're actually trying to implement something that's different than what you're doing right now, that's something they probably cannot do, and that could result in a constructive dismissal, Dave. All right. So... That's um, yeah. That's that's a, that's a weight off my shoulders for sure. I appreciate that. Um, and the other, can I ask you one more? Sure. Oh, terrific. Um, okay, so uh, I'm uh, I'm a chef, and uh, I work in an office, and um, I have you know I have my benefits, etc. Um, there, there's a structure there for 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 bonuses, etc. What have you? Um, what I'm wondering here is. In terms of my my compensation, um, I get I get a very tiny raise, but there's like I say, there's a bonus structure, but that bonus structure is tied into the performance of the company. And what I'm wondering is, you know, am I able to? Is, is there any sort of a minimum? You know, can they can they just can they turn around and say, okay, well, you know, there's there's no bonus this year at all. You know, is there, am I able to rely on anything as a minimum? Right. So the, the law does not impose on an employer an obligation 
to pay a particular bonus. Those obligations come from two places, either an employment agreement or through past practice. So if there's a practice that has been established over the years that you were there that you get X amount of bonus uh, and, and it's always kind of the same and it's consistent, then they can't just decide this year we're not going to do that. If, for example, your bonus is always a certain percentage of the company's profits, well, then that's the percentage. And if there's no profits, there's no bonus. So what they cannot do is change the way things are. They, they don't have to pay a certain bonus, but if they did pay a certain bonus, if, if there's a term that's been established over the years, they can't say, now, we don't like it, we're going to do something else. Does that answer the question, Dave? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, I don't know if I – can I ask one more quick one? Yeah, sure. Yep. Okay, perfect. Um, okay, so, so, so this one actually is also important. So my contract has, you know, sort of the, the usual language uh, regarding – um, regarding tasks that, you know, um, and any other thing that we decide that you need to do, that sort of thing, just to paraphrase. Sure. Um, and, but what my contract does not reflect, and it also says that the, that the agreement is represented entirely by that contract and, and no other, right. uh, no other conversations or agreements, et cetera. So now there are certain things that are in play for me, for example, certain days off in the year, um, yeah, things like that that are not written into my agreement. Uh, I have parking, for example, as a benefit. That's not in my agreement. Right. So am I able to go back to them and say, hey, you know what, I'd like my, my agreement to reflect these things so that they cannot be, uh, they can't somehow all of a sudden be, be denied based on the agreement saying that it is the sole, the, the sole agreement. Sure. So, so, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Yeah, listen, if you can get the things that you want in an agreement, that's good. But I wouldn't worry about it too much only because despite what the agreement says, the parties can come up, come to new terms after the agreement. So if there's a new term that's been established that you have paid parking by the company, they can't just take that away, okay? Because it's a new term that's been established after the fact, regardless of what the contract says. So whether or not the contract says that in writing it probably doesn't change the reality that they can't change it. It's better to have it in writing, but it's not a complete necessity. So yeah, you can talk to them. You know, you can say that for everyone's certainty, let's put that in writing. If they don't want to, if they don't do it, you still have some protections that are available in law. And if they ever try to change the terms of your employment, Dave, give me a call. Let's talk about that before you do anything. Dave, appreciate the call. Hope we answered all we could to reach out uh, to get a hold of Lior when the show's not on. one 821 5900 and help at is a way to go. Still got a, a couple minutes here before we take our first break. We'll move on to uh, to Scott. Hey, Scott, thanks for hanging on. How are you? Hey, how you doing? Good, brother. What's uh, what's going on? Your uh, you guys aren't going to like me. I know it already. <laughs> I want to know. I'm a small business employer. Yeah. Why is every single thing on my back, on my shoulders. Mm. Where is my protection? Why do my employees not have to do anything and I'm responsible for it all? Why well, that's that, not like, the case at all, Scott. Uh, sure in, in, it is. Well, no, it's not. In fact, if you kind of listen to, to the show and, and, and you kind of do the things that I say, you'll never have any problems with employees. I listen weekly, and right? I've had problems with employees. Right. And, and I've, I had an employee steal money from me. I fired him for stealing money from me, and I could prove it, and I still had to pay him severance because I wasn't specific in saying, you can't steal money from me. No, no. I, I can tell you right now that if you paid him severance, you shouldn't have. 
Okay, well, full stop. I, I can't, you know, go back in was, time now. But the Ministry of Labor made me pay him severance. Well, then, then obviously something was wrong in, in terms of the submission to the Ministry of Labor. But I, I'll tell you this. We talk on the show about, you know, termination for cause, for example. So in f- the flip side of that is we talk about how to terminate someone for cause, how to, how to build a case for cause. We talk about what employers can and cannot do in terms of constructive dismissal, changes to the terms of employment. But we talk about if you want to change the terms of employment, you have to have an employment agreement. So all those things but, apply for employees and employers. The law okay, is the law. The law recognizes example. that employees generally have less bargaining power than employers. So there's laws to protect employees. But if an employer is smart and does things that they're supposed to, has proper employment agreement, documents things, employers can do a lot of stuff. Okay, And we talk about this on the show as well. So if you ever want to talk about how to protect uh, your business, how to ensure that your rights as an employer are enforced, how that you have flexibility to run the business uh, the way you want it, let me know. We can sit down and have a chat about that and I can help you put things in place. But ultimately, unless you do those things, it's difficult to then go and complain that the employee has a lot of rights because you, as the employer, didn't stand up for your own rights. So, Scott, keep that in mind. Happy to chat with you anytime. Scott, appreciate the call and appreciate your side of things. It's good to hear from uh, from employers. We uh, we do enjoy that indeed. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You have the option of one 225 talk toll-free. We're right back at it. More of your phone calls. We've got open lines. Bring them on the Wednesday night edition of the Employment Hour. Global News Radio. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Monday night, Wednesday night, the weekend shows, and Employment Hour in 30 on Global TV and CTV as well. If you've not caught us on your television, uh, have a look this weekend. It's uh, it's pretty cool stuff like we do here on the radio every week for the last uh, seven, almost eight years now. By the way, the uh, number to call in to get hold of Lior when we're not on the air, one 821 5,900 emails are help at employmenthour.com. So it's going to cost an employer if they do this. Now, this we're going to send this one back to our last caller because these are things they can be aware of moving exactly. forward, right? Exactly, yeah. John. That, okay. That's what it is. It's a, things for, for employees to know but employers to know as well. Things that if you do this, if you make these mistakes, it's going to cost you. So if you know it's going to cost you, you know how to avoid it. So, again, This is extremely important for employees, but gosh, it's just as important for employers out there. We do try to advise and inform both sides. So here we go. The first one, it'll get you in trouble in some hot water employer if you don't deal properly with workplace harassment. That should be a given, right? It should be a given, but it's not obvious how to do it. An employer has an obligation, number one, to take harassment allegations seriously, okay? You, You can't assume that something is not right or that something didn't happen. You have to take it seriously and conduct an investigation. You have to look into the allegations even if you don't believe them. You have to, by law, to conduct an investigation. Sometimes they may mean doing it yourself or, if it's more complicated, to bring someone from the outside to do it. Now, once you've conducted the investigation, if it's proven that the allegation happened, you have to take measures to fix that problem. Either implement stricter policies, or discipline someone, separate people that can't work together, terminate someone, whatever is required to fix that problem. Now, if an employer doesn't do that, we said that's going to cost the employer. Well, it's going to cost them 
because they're going to find themselves potentially with a human rights violation on their hand if they don't do it. They're going to find themselves with a breach of the Employment Standards Act, of the Occupational Health and Safety Act, where they're going to find themselves with a constructive dismissal potentially. So a lot of liability, a lot of things that, that could cost the employer if they don't take it seriously, if they don't properly deal with harassment. And if you are an employee, what do you do if you're being harassed? Well, if at all possible, you want to try to inform the company of what's happened, give them the opportunity to fix it. Let them know, put the ball in their court to act. If you've tried and they and they haven't done anything, or there's simply no one to go talk to, small company, or maybe it's the owner of the company that's harassing you, if you can't talk to anyone, you call me. We may have to deal with that externally. I may have to get involved and force the issue. So bottom line is something can be done about workplace harassment. Absolutely, it's unacceptable. And an employer must deal with it appropriately. Any of these things sound familiar? I have questions about what we talk about over the next little while. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Would uh, would love to talk to you and uh, give you some help here. Uh, moving on, it's going to cost an employer if they do this. That is, let go of an employee uh, suffers or maybe suffering from a disability. Absolutely. And if an employee has a disability and, and, and they're off work or, or maybe they're struggling to do their job, the employer cannot let them go. Now, I understand the frustration from the employer's standpoint. Say, well, we need someone to do the job. This person's not coming in or they're not uh, able to do the job the way we want them. I get that. But the, again, the law is the law. And the law says you have to you have to deal with it. You have to accommodate them if it's accommodation is possible. You have to allow them to take the time off. You can't fire them because they have a medical condition. It's illegal. In fact, an employee can be off work for a long time if needed to get better, as long as the doctor is backing it up. They can be off for a few months, even a few years in some situations. Now, if you, if you have an employee that's been off for a long time, yes, you can replace them if you need that job uh, to, be, uh, to be fulfilled. That doesn't mean you let them go. It means that when the employee comes back, you have to make all efforts at that point, if possible, to bring them back to work. And if the employer doesn't do that, we said it's going to cost, yes, it's, it is going to cost. That's going to be that will be a human rights violation. It's illegal. There's going to be human rights damages. It would also be considered a termination if the employer uh, doesn't accommodate, or it could be a wrongful dismissal. So it's going to cost. It's not going to be something that's going to be pleasant for the employer to deal with. So again, you 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 accommodate. You let the employee take time off, and you definitely definitely don't terminate anyone's employment if they have a disability. You know, you said there it could go on for, for years. Is there is there a point where the employer can just finally put their hands up and say, man, throw me a bone here. This I'm, I'm not going to get this employee back, and i got to run my business. What do I do? Yes, absolutely. So if the employee's been absent for a long time, usually we're talking about a couple of years or more, and, and the doctors are saying that the employee is not going to be able to come back to work or it's right. unlikely that the employee is going to be able to come back to work, well, that's what's called a frustration of contract. At that point, you can end the relationship with the employee without it being a human rights violation, okay? You, you, you would still have to pay some severance, only the minimum entitlements, not the full entitlements, but it's something that you're allowed to do. But you can't jump the gun on that. You can't say, well, someone has been off for a year, two years, whatever it is, that's frustration of contract. You also need something from a doctor, and you can ask for that information saying that this person is not likely to come back to work. If that's the situation, yes, that's a frustration of contract, John. We're talking about things that's going to cost an employer if they do. First, I want to bounce over the phones again, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell, and one triple eight two two five. talk That is toll-free. Sean, good evening. How are you? I'm all right. Good. What's uh, uh, what's your concern? 
My concern is I recently took a day off work on pace. I have a like a WSIV claim in right now, but my employer is now asking what was the reason I took an unpaid day and saying if I don't provide him with what I did on that unpaid day off, hmm. that it, I would face discipline for taking an unpaid day off. Just want to find out. So, so the, the day you took off, was it for medical reasons? Uh, yes. So you saw a doctor or you saw someone to do with WSIB? No, uh, no I, I, I spoke to the person at WSIB. So I don't want to use a sick day at work when it, the claim is going through WSIB. So he said to me, all you have to do is let him know that it's a WSIB claim. But he's telling me that he wants something in writing from a doctor saying, although they have the FAS forms. So I, I take it that you didn't get permission for the day off? I did get permission. I called in and they told me, they asked me how many days do I need off. I said just the one. And, and, and when you when you called them and you said, I need a day off, what did you tell them? Why, why did you need a day off? I said I'm taking a unpaid day, which we have it in our workplace contract. And okay. Are you part of a union? Uh, yes. Okay. So, so really, the answer to that question is somewhere in the collective agreement, and then in terms of the process to taking days off and when you can take a day off. So, really, the question has to be posed to the to, to the union, uh, and because the union is the only one that can tell you in this particular situation whether the company did something right or wrong, whether they're allowed to ask you for this information. Uh, the answer in a non-unionized environment, okay, would be that if you uh, if it wasn't a medical appointment. Uh, then yes, it's not appropriate to take a day off unless they give you approval. But there may be a different answer in a unionized environment. You have to talk to the union here and uh, and see what they say. They're, they're the only ones that can advise you. And if there's an issue here, they can deal with that issue for you. The only thing is I've worked for this company for 16 years, and I've had unpaid days off. Like it's in our union that you can call in and say, right. this is the first time because I'm doing a work as well, then, then the, the union should then be able to deal with that very easily because if, if the, a term has been established over the years that you can do that, then the company can't change that. So talk to your union about that. They'll, they'll be able to help you. All right. Thank you. Thanks, John. Appreciate that. We should mention, I guess, as an aside, that when it comes to yeah, everyone saying, well, you're, why didn't you help them? I mean, you can't, right? You can't as a union employee. Yeah, I actually get uh, often, you know, very upset emails, you know, why do you hate uh, unionized employees? Why do you refuse to help them? No, no, no. I, I don't refuse to help them. I would love to help them. I, I could, you know, triple my business overnight. It's, it's not that. It's I am not allowed to help. No employment lawyer can help a unionized employee by law. By law, it has to be the union. No exceptions. Even, even in situations where you don't feel that the union is doing a good job helping you, even then you can't go outside the union. It has to be the union. Again, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And you can also try one triple eight two two five talk If you have questions, love talking to you here on a uh, beautiful Wednesday evening edition of the Employment Hour. It's going to cost an employer if they do this. Next one is punish an employee who demands payment for outstanding vacation pay, uh, overtime, or even holiday pay, right? An employee has a right to stand to stand up for their rights, for their entitlements, and to, to demand payment if payment is owed or if even they believe that it's owed, to, to claim either from the employer or through the Ministry of Labor for what is owed to them. And what the company cannot do is penalize someone for making those demands, even if the employee is wrong. Right. Okay? 
If you penalize the employee for making those demands, that's what we call a reprisal. It's illegal. It's going to cost you. So if you believe that you're not the, the, that you don't owe the employee something, the employee says you should pay me overtime, and you believe that you don't know, tell them, explain, show them why they, they, they you don't know it. Okay, but. What you cannot do is say, well, you're so unreasonable and so unfair. How dare you claim overtime? I'm going to uh, warn you or I'm going to fire you. That you cannot do. There could be fines that the government can impose because of a reprisal. The reprisal itself could be considered a, a wrongful dismissal. So, no, you cannot penalize someone for standing up for their rights. One of the most basic uh, concepts that we have in employment law is that an employee can and is allowed to seek their rights. So if you're an employee and you feel you're owed overtime, you can talk to your employer about that without being afraid that you're going to be punished. You can file a claim with the Ministry of Labor without being afraid to be punished. You can talk to me about it, again, without being afraid that you will be punished. Whether it's overtime or vacation pay or holiday pay, what have you, uh, that's one of the basic rights we have. And if an employer, despite what I said, punishes an employee, yeah, it's going to cost them. I find the interesting thing about that whole point, you kind of slipped it in where was even if you have a feeling that this is done wrong and you are proved wrong, that it didn't come to fruition, you still can't be punished just for asking. So don't fear it, right? Exactly. Because if yeah. people were afraid that if they're wrong, they'll be punished, no one would ever try to enforce their rights, right? Yeah. Well, if I'm wrong, oh my God, it's going to be a terrible situation. No. The only way we encourage people to enforce their rights is to say that as long as uh, you're enforcing your rights legitimately, whether you end up being right or wrong, your employer cannot punish you. You have the law protecting you. If they do, it's a reprisal. It's a big deal. It's illegal. What we're talking about here is things that uh, could go very wrong and cost you if you're an employer. So listen up. And for employees, uh, these are important for you as well. This one could be the the big sucker on the list. And that is do anything <laughs> to an employee announced uh, as a pregnancy or coming back from a maternity leave. Don't mess with mama. Yeah, and, and you know, I was thinking, do we want to say you can't fire an employee, you can't punish them? So I decided yeah. to say, no, no, you can't do anything. anything. Yeah. Let's just be very, very broad and inclusive here. So if someone is pregnant, uh, taking maternity leave, or it's a father taking a paternity leave, parental leave, no, you cannot punish them. You cannot discipline them. You cannot come up with reasons why they don't come back. You cannot give them a different job when they come back. Pay them less. You can't say, well, let's keep them for a few weeks and then let them go. None of that can happen. You cannot do anything. I don't know that I can make that clear. And if you do, again, we're talking about things that are going to cost the employer if they do them. Yeah, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you big time. We're going to have a look at human rights violations, Employment Standards Act violations, constructive dismissal, uh, bad faith damages. The list goes on. Probably one of the biggest mistakes employers can make is to do anything, anything improper, to an employee taking maternity leave, uh, pregnant, uh, parental leave. No, you don't do anything. You take them, you allow them to take the time off. You let them come back, the same job, same pay. It's as simple as that. Anything less, it's going to cost you. And we've talked about, and I know we've had phone calls on the topic before, and there has been cases where, I mean, the visual notwithstanding, there has been cases where parents, uh, expected mothers for that matter, to put a finer point on it, have come two, three weeks away saying, by the way, I'm out of here in three weeks. I mean, it's a really, really dirty, not nice thing to do to your employer, but they have the protection still, yes? They do. They absolutely, yeah. absolutely do. Uh, they, they have the uh, the protection, and yes, an employer may be frustrated that the employee didn't give him enough notice, didn't sure. tell him exactly what's happening. I get it. I completely get it. But it's not about what's fair and what's right and wrong. It's about what's legal and what's illegal. 
And it is legal for an employee not to give a lot of notice when they're taking maternity leave, when they're coming back. It's illegal for an employer to do anything to punish the employee in that situation. That's very important to remember. 416-870-6400-640 on cell one 225 talk to call in, ask your questions. This is the time to do it. This is the show to do it when it comes to your job and your employment and uh, the place where you spend the majority of your time, really. So it's really important stuff what we cover here. And in the meantime, it's going to cost employers, if they do this, let go of an employee that they recruited from another company. Yeah, so we're talking about, you know, when is it going to cost you a lot of money, more than usual, if you let someone go? And that is a situation where you recruit someone from another job, someone that's not necessarily looking to leave. You recruit them, and then things don't work out, and you let them go. Well, the problem with that is if you recruit them, you may now have to pay them enhanced severance that accounts for the time with the previous company. So they may have only worked for you for six months. Uh, It just didn't work out. But they had 15 years with the other company. All of a sudden, now you have a 15-year employee in your hands, and you have to pay them severance like that. So that's a huge liability. I said things that are going to cost the employer. And remember, if you're an employee and you are recruited, you're you're being headhunted away, induced we call this induced to leave a secure job and you're let go in the first couple of years of that job, you may be owed enhanced severance, more severance than usual because of that recruitment. So for an employer, the way to deal with that is to have an employment agreement that limits the person's entitlements. Again, we're talking about what employers should do, but if an employer doesn't do that and they let go of an employee that they recruited, yeah, it's going to cost you. We'll uh, get over to our phone call, and we got uh, we got Bill on the line. Hey, Bill, thanks for hanging on. Good evening. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, just a quick, simple question, actually. Uh, I've been working for a company for a number of years. I do an eight-hour shift, and I've been told uh, they want me to come in for uh, eight and a half hours each day. Um, and I just want to know uh, if that's something I have to accept or um, are they going to pay for that half hour extra? No, no. Oh, they don't they want to pay you. They don't want to pay, and they said that uh, they didn't even give me a reason as to why uh, why I had to change. There was a couple other people that uh, were also asked uh, to come in for the eight and a half hours. So no, you you don't have to accept it. They don't have a right to change your shift in that way. Now. Unless, of course, there's an employment agreement in place that specifically gives them the ability to change or shift in this way, unless that's the case, uh, and I'd be happy to take a look at your employment agreement if you have it, but unless that is the case, they cannot do that. So you're absolutely well within your rights to say no. So here's what happens. Uh, If you say no, they may just back off and say, fine, okay, no worries, continue working. Or they may say, too bad, you're doing it anyway. If they, they say that, I would still tell you, if you don't want to do it, continue working your eight-hour shift at some point they'll either back off or they'll try to discipline you if they do that becomes a constructive dismissal so whenever we're talking about a change to a shift even if it's half hour half hour is still a long time you know if you're working an eight-hour shift uh, that could be a constructive dismissal meaning you could treat that as a termination now this doesn't mean that they can't let you go if you refuse they can let you go but they would have to pay you severance they cannot let you go for cause without severance. So you have to ultimately decide whether that's a kind of a a battle that you want to get into with them. But legally, can they force you? No, they cannot force you, Bill. Okay, I appreciate that very much. 
Thanks. Thank, Thanks very yep, much. thank you, Bill. Appreciate uh, appreciate you calling through. You want to follow up with more questions? If you're still a little fuzzy, no problem. one 821 5900 and help at You know, that's a good phone call because people are thinking, okay, change my employment agreement. What's the threshold as far as hours? Fine, it's just 30 minutes. I mean, that's a short TV show, but over five <laughs> days, right? That's enough. Yeah. That's substantial. That's enough it, to, to pull, uh, pull a constructive dismissal. Well, it is. And, you know, especially those people working shift work, you kind of schedule your whole life around that shift. Sure. You know, you probably have to be somewhere before or after. And, and for the company to change that is a big deal, you know. And, and if you're not working shift work, if it's kind of one of those things where your hours fluctuate, it may not be a big deal. But if you have a fixed shift, just like the company is not going to just say, well, uh, the company's not going to agree if we say, hey, instead of an eight-hour shift, I want to work a seven-and-a-half-hour shift, right? Yeah, good call. They're, yeah. they're going to say, no, yeah, yeah, no thanks, you're going to work eight hours. Well, by the same token, the company can't right. change it. So it goes both ways. Yeah. Uh, and then, yes, if, he, if they insist on it, that can absolutely be a constructive dismissal. Uh, moving on here, still got a couple minutes left to go. We'll continue on our list, and it's uh, going to cost an employer if they do this, and that is we've, we've covered it. But it always comes up, and that is don't properly distinguish between an employee and an independent contractor. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and that is uh, something that employers do all the time. And, and they, they do this often because they don't know any better, and they think yep. they can. They can simply call someone an independent contractor. Well, no, you cannot. Uh, the law decides whether someone is an employee or an independent contractor. And you calling someone an independent contractor, paying them like an independent contractor, or even having them sign a document saying they're an independent contractor doesn't make them an independent contractor. If you really are hiring an employee but misclassifying them, that is illegal, and that happens all the time. So it's going to cost you because you're, you potentially are accruing liability to that employee. At some point, you may have to pay them vacation pay and overtime pay and minimum wage and severance. And in addition to that, if you're ever audited by CRA, God help you. Uh, there's going to be back taxes to pay fines, penalties, etc., etc. So it is costly for an employer potentially to misclassify someone as an independent contractor when they're really not independent contractors. John, I promise you, we have people listening to us right now, maybe dozens of people right now, that are supposedly quote-unquote independent contractors uh, when they're really uh, employees in the eyes of the law, and, and, and they'll be surprised to find that out. If you have a regular job, you go to work, you come home, you're an employee. It doesn't matter what you signed or how you pay your taxes. The law decides you're an employee, which means you have an entire host of rights. Uh, and if an employer misclassifies, yeah, as I said, it's going to cost. We'll get to another one here as the uh, time time dwindles down, but that's okay. We still got a, a few minutes, and we could even squeeze in a phone call if you get on the horn now. That's four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on your cell. And uh, we just covered this, and that has changed the terms of an employment. You cannot do that without getting hit for it, right? That's right. We we touch on this before on the show. Probably one of the most common topics that comes up on the show: with constructive dismissal. An employer cannot change terms of employment in a significant way. Uh, they can't. Uh, you know, and some employers may get frustrated and say, well, why can't we? Well, you can't yeah. because if you do it, that's a constructive dismissal, or at least the employee has a right to treat that as a constructive dismissal and leave with their severance. And you may not realize that. You may think, well, I'm just going to, like, like, uh, like a previous caller, change the shift uh, by 30 minutes. Well, you may find yourself to have terminated that employee and the other employees and have to pay them severance. So a change to the terms of employment can absolutely cost you big time. 
We'll get to another one here as the uh, time is dwindling down, and this one is huge as well. It seems simple, but everybody believes this, and that is that probationary periods, they're automatic. They're part of the gig. Yeah, probationary periods are not automatic. If you assume that they are and you fire someone because you assume that it's automatic, then it's going to cost you. You're going to have to pay severance. Probationary periods have to be created in an employment agreement. If your employment agreement doesn't say the employee's on probation, John, they're not on probation. We got one minute literally to go. Carson, one minute. Uh, what's your question quickly? Yeah, the question was as it pertains to the trucking industry, a lot of the gravel haulers, I know a lot of the employers that I previously went through that scenario, where they're saying that you are a contractor. So you drive their truck, you meet their hours, but you have to pay your own taxes and this and that, and then you sometimes end up in problems with CRS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's very common in the trucking. Probably the most common is in the yes. trucking industry. Guess what? The law considers you to be an employee. It happens all the time where drivers are treated as contractors. It doesn't mean that they are. You are an employee. You work for a company. You do what they tell you. You're an employee. And in that situation, you're right. You could have liability with CRA. It's bad both for the employee and the employer, Carson. Carson, appreciate the quick phone call. Going to let you go there. You want to reach out further, get some more info, simple, 1-855-821-5900 is the number. Email address is help at employmenthour.com. And if you haven't checked it out, that's for everybody, severancepaycalculator.com. Find out what you're really owed. It is an invaluable tool used by over three-quarters of a million people. I kid you not, severancepaycalculator.com. Till next time, our weekend shows and, of course, Employment Hour in 30 on global TV and CTV as well. We are all over like a hobo on a ham sandwich. Done for now. Stick around. There's some great stuff on the way. On Point with Alex Pearson continues right here on Global News Radio.